Welcome to Where There Is Hope. Here we offer inspiration and encouragement from the Bible. With Travis Renfro, I'm John Lindsay. We're glad you're here. So last week, when we began our discussion of who is Jesus, we talked a lot about whether or not you could prove Jesus the person existed. We talked about his story and his role in the New Testament, and also how you could trace Jesus through the Old Testament as well, and how it was easy to prove through the biblical record that Jesus was patterned, promised, and present uh, in the Old Testament. And this week, what we wanted to do to wrap up this discussion is to talk about some of the roles that Jesus fills. Um, And I use fills in the present tense because most of these roles, maybe all of them, as I'm looking over this list, Jesus is still actively fulfilling. So we're going to start that discussion. And John, I think where we wanted to start is the same place we ended last week's discussion, and that is with Jesus in the role of creator. And there are a couple of different passages here that will, that will speak to that. Yeah. Uh, we, we, even, we, t- we don't have this one listed, but we talked about this one last week. And in John 1, maybe the, the most prominent passage for um, Jesus being at creation, in John 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not, made, was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. As we hear, see here that uh, John has related Jesus to the light and the word and says he is there and was there in the beginning. Um, what other passages would you like to reference here for this? Yeah, so look, one of them is 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 5 through 6. It says, For although there may be so-called gods in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is one God, the Father, from whom are all things and for whom we exist, and on Lord Jesus Christ, through whom all thing, are all things and through whom we exist. So there Paul equates uh, God and Jesus very much as the same. But that phrase, as far as us talking about creation, is through whom we exist. Uh, Jesus, they're accredited with our existence, and so he has a role of creator there. And then also in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 16, For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. So there again, Paul attributes creation to Jesus there as well. You just think of the implications of that, like, um, I, I don't know, like we talked some about Jesus, who Jesus was, and um, uh, his his history, and um, how he was present in the New Testament, the Old Testament, last episode, and I guess we'll we'll get to it, but I, I would encourage you to think. Um, uh, about this role as it relates to your life and how that how that impacts you. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. So as we move forward and discuss different things, just think about how uh, Christ is the creator and how that relates to you. Yeah, and I have a couple thoughts about that. I mean, if we can accept that, we should. 
then it speaks to the eternality of Jesus that he was always there uh, which you know again non-believers probably struggle with and don't and don't believe but then also when i'm thinking about Jesus's role and we'll talk more about this in a moment but his role as my savior or as um, you know my advocate well he created me you know in a in a way that parents know their kids better than anyone else does Jesus knows us better than anyone else does because he literally created us and so that gives me a great deal of comfort and and he is supremely qualified to advocate for me because he knows me better than I know myself yeah you think you're like um so I do some some programming um for my job sometimes and if something is malfunctioning or is not providing the, um, you know, we've got like a calculation or something that's providing a metric, and someone will say, well, that's not what that means. And I say, well, this is exactly what it means because I wrote this, so if this isn't what you're expecting, um, I can change it because I've created it. And uh, you know, it's, I, have a, I have an understanding of how this thing's supposed to work. So, um, yeah, I really like how you said that, that... Um, he has a, like a full understanding of us because he, you can almost say he's written the code <laughs> for uh, human beings and how they operate. That's a good uh, modern way to explain like, it. <laughs> not that we're robots or anything like that. <laughs> this is getting weird, but, uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, he he understands our inner workings and how we think, and um, uh, a more a more supreme understanding than humans have of themselves. So what's the next role or, or set of roles that we want to think about and what Jesus does? So we've got a huge list here. Um, you know, one thing I was thinking about that we haven't even talked about, but um, so we, we're talking about Jesus, and he's called the Christ, and uh, Christ is not his last name, um, as some, I would say some, a lot of people probably think that was his last name. Uh, it's not his last name. It was a title. Um, and you referenced this a little bit, but it just meant the anointed one. Um, same word for Messiah. Um, Messiah was used a couple times, um, and it just means the anointed one or um, the the king, the coming king. Um, those kinds of ideas. But we see those used in John a couple times, um, specifically Messiah used a couple times in John. Um, uh, there's some other. We've got all kinds of things used here, but let's shift to uh, this concept of prophet, priest, and king. Do you have anything else on Messiah? I was just going to, I was looking for the verse. Uh, Luke chapter 2 and verse 26 says, And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And I always think about that phrase when we think about, you know, that Christ is not Jesus' last name, but it was that title. And in fact, it was the title that God assigned him in a sense because he was God's anointed one God's anointed one right he was anointed for that role that's all I have God's God selected king is the way you can think of it yeah that's very well put and maybe that's not a title that we often think about with Jesus is he's a king and uh, with that he is um described as prophet, priest, and king. And those are three different distinct roles that we see in the Old Testament of different people different people um, uh, being responsible for. But uh, thoughts on prophet, priest, and king? 
Yeah, I, I guess because I taught First and Second Samuel fairly recently, that when I think about prophet, priest, and king, I think about the roles that were um, that were assigned there. You know, like when you think about Saul and David, they were kings on earth, but they were not supreme. Supreme was still God. And in between the two of them was God's prophet. So that you had God reigning supreme, the prophet speaking on behalf of God, and the king supposedly and hopefully fulfilling the orders that came from the prophet. Um, and then obviously the role of priest was even separate from that. So you're right, three separate roles that no human being other than Jesus was ever qualified to fill on their own. They couldn't do all three at the same time. And in fact, you think about when when Saul famously tried to for, to fulfill the role of priest and offer a sacrifice, uh, it went very poorly, and he was chastised by Samuel and by God for taking a role that didn't belong to him. So kings weren't able to do that. Priests weren't able to do that. Prophets weren't able to do that. Uh, it had to be three separate roles until you get to the person of Jesus. Yeah. And you think, like, maybe for those who aren't familiar of what a prophet— I would think we all know what a king is, but a prophet, um, you can think, is like a mouthpiece for God, someone through whom God speaks. A priest would be someone who— Well, I I think of it like this. The, The prophet speaks to the people on behalf of God. The priest speaks to God on behalf of the people. That's a good way to put it. And, of course, a king rules over the people. Um, some other some other stuff we've got. I think those are three great ones. Uh, some other things. Uh, one of my, um, I'll say my favorites, is that Christ redeemed us. He's our redeemer. Another word for that in modern English, I could say, is our rescuer. Um, so what did he rescue us from? Well, he rescued us from sin and death which Romans 3.23 famously tells us that all men sin and fall short of the glory of God. And then Romans 6.23 tells us that the wages of sin is death. So you put those two things together. And because we all sin, we all deserve death. And so we need someone to rescue us from that. We're not able to do it on our own. Right. There's some passages that talk about him redeeming us. Um, If you look at like the, uh, the new law and the old law, I mean, the way that things have shifted. In Galatians, um, Paul talks about how Christ has redeemed us from the old law um, and has saved us from the punishment that would have come through that um, in, in Galatians 3. But uh, just that picture of Christ rescuing us, I, I, I really uh, cherish. Yeah, because you're not able to rescue yourself. Right, you know, and that that was the problem with the old law, right? Is no one could keep it perfectly, so no one was able to attain the level of righteousness that would would be able to qualify them to being in God's presence, either there on earth or eternally uh, forever. So we needed someone to to do that for us, and Jesus again is the only one qualified to fill that role. Oh, we have this title of propitiation. Do you know what that means? I have heard propitiation defined, and I'm not good enough to remember how it is defined. I could loosely tell you what it means, but I have a feeling that you're better qualified to answer that question since you asked me. (laughs) 
I asked because I needed a better description. Um, <laughs> well, let's see where how it's used in in First John, and maybe that'll help. So First John chapter two, and uh, it says, "We'll just start in chapter two. It says, "My little children, I am writing these things to you, so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins." And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Um, so the idea of propitiation there is something is like an appeasement to God for our sins. So it's almost like a sacrifice, uh, but something that appeases that. Um, I've thought of like um, something that like fills a hole. I know that's kind of strange image but yeah what's your description of it because you probably have a better description of it now than now that you've heard what i have to say uh, well I, I thought about when you said that it, it appeased um you know there's a there is a need for justice um god has a demand for justice and that's a really fascinating consistent stu- uh, theme throughout all of scripture going all the way back to deuteronomy it's mentioned in the prophets etc and so because there is a need for justice, there something has to be done about sin. God can't just say, it's okay. He can't just wave it off because he demands justice. And so the only way that that can happen is that someone has to fulfill that role and, and appease the demands of justice. And that's what propitiation does. That's what Jesus does as our propitiation. That's the best I got. I think that's good. There's another description of this word... In Hebrews chapter 2, uh, if you start in verse 17, it says, Therefore he, that's Jesus, had to be made like his brothers, and this instance is talking about the Jews, in every respect, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. So um, this idea of him becoming a sacrifice uh, himself. Um, Anyway, that's propitiation. What else you got? Um, One of my favorites is something I learned probably in the last few years, and it's a Greek word uh, that's pronounced parakletos. And before you get overwhelmed with that word, that word just, it's translated a couple different ways. But actually, one that we just read in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 1 it's translated advocate. The word parakletos is only used to refer to two individuals in all of Scripture. The first is when Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit and refers to him as the comforter or the advocate. Um, and that and the idea is someone who is called to your side to help you, to aid you. And so when Jesus says, and he's talking about when he's going to leave and be uh, ascend to the Father, he said, I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to send this advocate, this parakletos, to come and help you, and that's the Holy Spirit. But then when you look in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 1, John says, My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin, but if anyone does sin, we have an advocate. We have a parakletos with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. So I've heard this described as a the parakletos is the thread. Think of a seam that is separated and at the bottom is us, and at the top of the seam is, in the top part of the seam is God. 
the Holy Spirit comes from God to us to pull us nearer. And then Jesus came from us and ascended to the right hand of the Father to appeal to appeal for us as well. And those two things create a thread or create, a, I guess, a seam and pull us closer to each, to each other. That's really difficult to, to do without demonstrating with my hands. But it's that idea that while the Holy Spirit is here reminding us who God is, Jesus is at the right hand of the Father reminding the Father who we are and what he's done to make us righteous. So he has that role. And what I love about it is, is it's present tense. It is ongoing and continual. It's not saying that Jesus advocated for us one time. Jesus continually advocates for us. And since we continually struggle with sin, that's an, a very important concept for us to, to understand and to be comforted by. Yeah, and I appreciate that you brought that up. Um, that's a, such an important role, and it kind of shifts into the last one that I've got, and that's the mediator. Uh, we see in 1 Timothy 2, 5, um, if I can turn there, it says, For there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom at the proper time. And you think, like, you, you just brought up so, um, parakletos, parakletos, however you say it. Um not only is he aiding us, but he's also mediating for us. So I almost think it's like he's he's on our team, and he's also the go-between mm-hmm. as well. Um, and it's such a he's he's filled all the roles that we can't fulfill. Um, I'm reminded of God's covenant with Abraham, and how um, I'm going to turn there. This is fifteen. Reminded of God's covenant with Abraham and how uh, when he makes this covenant, there are, you know, he, um, he cuts a covenant with him. And the way that it's all done, um, when this would have been done at this time, from what we've learned, you'd have one party walk through the cut covenant and then another party walk through the cut covenant. So in verse 17, when the sun had gone down, and it was dark. Behold, a smoking firepot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, To your offspring I give this land from the river of Egypt to the great river. From God's covenant with Abraham, what we see is that God is the fulfillment and the fulfiller. Um, there's nothing that Abram can actually provide in this covenant. Um, Whenever Abram sets everything up, you can see that he kind of kicks back and waits for God to do something instead of promising to God that he'll follow faithfully. Um, And in that, um, I guess what I'm trying to say is that God has fulfilled both roles in this. He's the provider, and um, he has the grace for the the promiser, if I can say that. He's the, the guarantor and the guarantee. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, in, in that covenant, and really in our relationship with God as well, God says, "I'm not going to let the relationship fail." Um, that you know, we think of it like this: the, the, the simple thing was God said, "I'm going to bless you as long as you obey me completely," but I also know you're not going to obey me completely, so I'm going to give you a way 
to be made righteous that you can't do on your own. That doesn't mean that it is that is undeniable that you absolutely, you know, cannot do anything to get out of this covenant relationship with God. You can break the covenant because you can choose to have no relationship with God. But it was it was nothing we were going to do accidentally. I guess is the way I would say that. Yeah. Um, that would you know remove us from the blessings that God had promised. And and I guess my point with all this is that just as we see God fulfilling this role, that was Christ there too. Uh, we see that Christ was there in the beginning. Christ was speaking through, um, he, he is God. Um, so we see Christ fulfilling the same roles that he was fulfilling in the Old Testament for these people mm-hmm. um, that he's now fulfilling for us. You read that in, in Hebrews 9.15, which I know you had a note of this here. Therefore he is the mediator of a new covenant, so that those who are called may receive the promised inher- eternal inheritance since a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. Yeah. A great call back to that. Um, so with us having said all this, I think it would be beneficial for you to reread that, that quote you've got from um, that Scottish guy. All right. So um, <laughs> that Scottish guy. John Scottish, Duncan. Yeah. Scottish preacher John Duncan in 1859 or maybe 1860 said, Christ either deceived mankind by conscious fraud, or he himself was deluded and self-deceived, or he was divine. There is no getting out of this trilemma. It is inexorable. So I think with what we have gone through in the last two episodes, you cannot deny Jesus. You cannot deny that he existed. You can choose to discount him, but you can't deny that he existed. And there's so much that we learn from Scripture about who he is and what he does that it just begs the age-old question, what will you do with Jesus? Thank you for joining us where there is hope. It is our goal to share the hope and joy that we find in Scriptures with you. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave us a review. You can email us at wtihope at gmail.com. Lamentations 3.24, the Lord is my portion, says my soul, therefore I will hope in him.